from the broken ruins of Babylon. This is End of Days Radio. I am your host, Daniel, broadcasting to you all the way from that shimmering emerald city right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Hello and how are you? Today's date is... Let's see here. Oh, it's October 6th. 2020, 2020, the dual year, the year of never-ending hellfire and destruction and worldwide chaos. Fun times. So the year is 2020, the date is October 6th, and this is End of Days Radio, as you know. Remember, go to endofdaysradio.com, where you can catch up on everything End of Days Radio. I'm going to be throwing more, more and more content up there. I do plan to uh, add more articles. I have written a couple articles on there, and I plan to write more because it is something that I enjoy. So I'm going to do that. And also, you can donate to the show. Uh, Like I was saying last show, I have to kind of push those donations a little harder because, hey, it's the end of days. Uh, COVID is wrecking our economy. These times are as hard for me as anybody else. Besides... I do a good show here, and it really helps motivate me and keeps me interested. When I get paid just a little bit here and there, it helps me keep the lights on, helps me keep the show going. And I wanted to go ahead and thank everybody who's ever donated. Thank you so much. You have helped me so much. Today's guest is Samantha Moat. Samantha Moat is an ET experiencer with many higher abilities. Unfortunately, she has been a victim of MeLabs and is here to talk to us today about all of these things. We want to hear her story and talk about a few interesting things like hybrids and extrasensory perception and all the different types of aliens out there. So I'm going to go ahead and connect to her, and then uh, we will see what happens. Let's see if this works, yeah. And... Sorry about the wait. Uh, Technical issues. Uh, Well, that's just going to have to... Let's see here. These things, they can be so strange sometimes. Oh, my. There we go. That's giving me what I want. Okay. Let's see here. Let's go ahead and call her up. Sorry about the delay there. These things happen. Hi, Daniel. Oh, there you are. And it looks hey. like it looks like your camera's working. 
Perfect. It's on my cell phone, not on my laptop. Well, that will work just fine. Let me change my settings around a little bit so I can get you on here. Yeah, yeah whatever you like works well for me. Okay. And I'm just going to put a crystal in place so hopefully I don't drop my phone. Okay, Perfect. yeah, for sure. And I will go ahead and bring you up on the screen here. Yeah. And there you go. Now all of my lovely <laughs> viewers slash listeners can see you. All good. Sounds like fun. Okay. So uh, first thing I wanted yeah. to do is just talk about your background just a little bit. Can you tell us how this all started, this incredible journey of your life? And all the things that have happened to you. Can you just kind of start us off? Um, you know, go back as far as childhood if you'd like. Um, a lot of times these things kind of start as children or even before then in some cases. So if you don't mind, if you could just tell us a little bit about like where you grew up, maybe if you're comfortable with that and what it was like. Okay. Well, one thing that makes me a little bit different than a lot of other contactees is the fact that I grew up in a family that was very supportive of psychic abilities. For me, my extraterrestrial multidimensional contact actually started really young. It started in the first few weeks of life. And the reason why this happened was I am a twin and my twin brother didn't make it through the pregnancy. He had made the choice to not incarnate onto the planet. He chose to assist me as an Arcturian being on a different dimensional plane who'd be interacting with me through both physical encounters, psychic encounters, as well as astral encounters. And because he chose to do that, the beings that I work with noticed that the vibrational frequency being emitted by my body, by my lungs, was inconsistent. And as I came down to this body, I actually had problems with my lungs when I was smaller. So it felt like the air that I was breathing was very, um, it felt like it was burning my lungs, it felt very painful. And so my earliest contact actually started when a being came into my space as I lay upon my parents' bed, crying my little eyes out, very teeny tiny baby, looking up towards the ceiling and not seeing very far, only seeing a little bit, like maybe a few feet in front of me. And I could feel the vibration shift as this being came into the room, walked across the room, began to sing to me in an ET dialect, which I can still feel the vibration of it in my soul. It's done in like these tones and kind of like words that I can't quite replicate because I don't think they have the same vocal capability to be able to make the same sounds. And it was essentially putting a finger onto my heart and my lungs right along like my rib cage towards my xiphoid process area and was sending energy into my chest and into my body to alleviate not only the stress of not having my twin brother with me, but also the anxiety that was within the body, the stress that was in the body. And it was there essentially to rebalance the auric system. And that's part of why my ET contact started so early was because of my twin choosing to not come with me onto the planet. Um, I didn't really have just one place for a childhood home. I kind of grew up going back and forth across Canada, having parents in the military, and that's fine. Um, one thing that kind of taught me was a greater sense of independence, though, because unlike a lot of people, I don't really have the same perception about what other people think about me. It doesn't occur to me to really think about, okay, well, how are people going to judge me if I talk about this, or how are they going to judge me if I think or say these things? because I've always been in the habit of moving every couple of years. So it gives you this sort of independence and freedom to be able to speak things more clearly without the fear of ridicule and judgment. 
And luckily, my parents have been very kind, loving people who have been supportive with their own contact and sharing stuff like that with my family members, because everyone in my family does have degrees of contact of one level or another. And some of it's more towards the ghosts, others is more towards the extraterrestrials, some are towards the elemental beings. So I was raised in a more psychic household, but not quite in a normal way. When people think psychic household, they think that there were tarot decks everywhere and crystals, and it wasn't quite like that. Um, rather, it was more so if I had an encounter or I saw something weird, I could talk to my family about it without harsh ridicule and judgment, which I think has been one of the greatest blessings for me along those lines. Um, what aspect of childhood contact do you want me to go into? Uh, it sounds like things were yeah. very positive early on. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any anything negative that happened as a child that frightened you? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was negative so much as some of my earlier childhood stuff was misinterpreted by me as I got older and kind of skewed by my perceptions as I became more accustomed to the earth ways and earth perceptions. So for instance, when I was a child, I had these really weird, what I thought were dreams, not realizing I was remembering my contact because the way of um, make it so the contact would be forgotten wasn't always working on me. And so I would go to bed at night and quite often I would feel the energy of these beings coming over top of our house, feeling the craft going over or feeling a being outside getting ready to take me for an abduction. And sometimes that made me a little afraid because I could feel these vibrations around me, but I wasn't quite sure what they were at some points. I wouldn't say the ET stuff was scary. I would say more so the MyLab component of my childhood was scarier and brought the components that brought up more of the fear element. I do, when I was a teenager, this is the part that kind of made me more afraid about the extraterrestrial multidimensional component when I was younger because I didn't quite have a strong understanding of it at the time. But when I was a teenager, I was going through MyLab encounters. And during these my lab encounters, I had things where we were going through these training op scenarios where we'd be in the jungle or we would be in the woods or we would be finding ourselves in these really different and harsh types of environments. And it was normally done in a small group. And when I was a kid, I thought these were just the weirdest dreams, not realizing they were memories that were coming to the surface of things that happened that night or weeks before or whatever. And the things that were happening, we would be running through the jungle and we'd have these tasks we had to do. And we weren't able to talk to one another out loud. We had to talk to each other using our minds. And I remember being chased by velociraptor beings at those times through the jungle and us trying to work together to project where we need to go, not realizing we had to use our psychic abilities to really protect us and keep us safe. And you may wonder, well, how does that relate to extraterrestrial multidimensional contact? Well, what a lot of people don't realize is that there are a variety of reptilian type beings that are actually velociraptor in appearance. And they are there are some on this planet, but there are also some that are not from this planet as well. And these were involved in the MyLab training ops because they were teaching us how to be more evasive, how to be quicker at responding to the energies that are around us because velociraptors do move very, very quickly. I don't and mean to skip like ahead, but are these oh. are these reptilian beings, are these the draconians? No, not these ones. These ones are not draconian. These ones are much shorter. They're not bipedal like you and I. Their bodies do look very similar to velociraptors, which was the part that really confused me as a kid. Because when I first started having encounters where I would be seeing these beings, things like Jurassic Park weren't out yet. And so I was wondering why I had so much anxiety around 
dinosaur type beings. It wasn't the greys that gave me anxiety or the Palladians or the crystal beings. It was more so the beings that were um, more reptilian in appearance. Those were the ones that frightened me as a child. Are are these uh, are these mm -hmm. raptors? Are they actual relatives of the raptors that once lived here? I would suspect so. I haven't had a conversation with them to be able to find out if these are their ancestors that we're currently having encounters with, but I have seen them numerous times with my my lab encounters. And when you were a child having these experiences, did you mm -hmm. see UFOs? coming by overhead or flying over the house? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, it was kind of funny because for part of my childhood, after my parents had separated, my mom lived on a farm that was like 50 acres in size, and it was surrounded by a couple hundred acres that they were renting. It was like miles up a dirt logging road in the middle of nowhere. And I remember we were going for a bike ride this one time, and we saw a UFO in the, off in the distance. And my mom and my stepdad said, oh, yeah, it's fine. They're around here. It's pretty common. They didn't really make a big deal out of it. And so when we would be laying out in our field at night, and we'd be watching the stars coming out, or we'd be laying in our garden at night looking at the shooting stars, we'd often see these really weird orbs and lights that were moving around. And I remember having a lot of experiences where I would be doing something really mundane, like walking out of the house, walking towards like um, our water tower, or walking over towards our barn, and seeing a silver UFO that was in the sky, and having that snapshot of knowing it's there, and then everything in my vision going from the outside in, going blank. Things like that were pretty common in my childhood. They happened several times a year. And stuff like that, when you have things like this going on in your memories, for some reason at the time, I would often just have the experience and I would just disregard it. So be like, okay, that's weird. And then carry on with what I was doing. And I don't really know why that is. I think it has to do with my level of consciousness at the time. I think it has to do with the beings I work with, um, recognizing that as a teenager in the early 2000s, I couldn't really handle that kind of aspect on top of everything else that was going on. So I think it was done as a courtesy rather than a manipulation tactic. Yeah, I could say um, the experiences mm -hmm. I've had are similar in the sense that after they happen, you don't really have much of a choice but to kind of just carry on. And at least in my case, <laughs> eventually I began to convince myself that these things that I was seeing were not real simply because it was the <laughs> only way I could really make sense and continue with my life knowing things are so impossibly weird and bizarre and fringe <laughs> out there yeah i get that one um i don't know like even when i would have stuff like that happening i would talk to my parents about it and they'd say that's fine but that's not going to stop you from being to go clean the chicken coop you still got to go do that and i would have to still go do my chores and because of that, i think it created a healthier way for me for dealing with the encounters i was having it made it so I realized I didn't have to stay in that obsessive state that some people get into. I don't know about you, but I've met people who, after they have one encounter, they will obsess about it for days or weeks or months and trying to analyze every component of it. And I don't necessarily think that's a healthy way to deal with it either. But I do think um, the fact of allowing yourself to have your contact experience and then move yourself into your next activity and just kind of process it slowly, I think is a healthier way of going about things. Now, you said that mm -hmm. you grew up in a psychic family was this like a high level of empathy or did it go even beyond that were there were there like conversations or future events being foretold um 
Well, one of my parents tends to predict a lot of their future through dream time, and they tend to be willing to share it like, hey, I dreamt about this, so I know I'm going to be getting remarried. Or I dreamt about um, one of the beings I work with telling me about multiple instances where I'm going to be having near-death experiences or at possible exit points. My other parent is more of a medium who has seen a lot of our ancestors and spiritual beings that work with them. And quite often we'll go to family things like, oh, I'm seeing this around you and that around you. Or my, one of my parents just met one of my friends recently and they're like, you have very interesting energy around you, very psychic energy. And they tend to just read people and make it more commonplace. One thing that I notice is because of my mom's side is more Aboriginal and we're Inuit, like Inuit. So um, one thing that's been known with our family is that we have a lot of psychic experiences because we're more connected in towards the other side, towards the veil. Um, this psychic aspect for my family goes back multiple generations on both sides, and that does make it easier to deal with. I know this is going to sound kind of odd to some of your listeners and viewers, but in my family, it's quite common for people to see orbs or weird lights in the sky, to have UFOs coming over top of them, to have missing time, or to encounter elemental beings or mer, mer people. And I know that sounds very odd, but when you start to acknowledge that these things are around you, a lot of these things start to be more drawn to you as well, and you stop having cognitive dissonance when you do have encounters. As you and I discussed a few moments ago, how we would have an encounter and then just kind of tuck it around and be like, okay, I'm going to process this later. That's what so many people do. And if you talk to almost anyone, they'll tell you about an experience that they had at one time or another where some peculiar event happened, whether it's seeing a ghost as a child or um, giving, having a premonition or deja vu. Those are all psychic abilities. It's just a matter of how connected to you are them. Are they, pardon me, are you acknowledging them? Same with all these beings. There's a lot more people having contact, especially now than people realize. I would say the amount of people having contact has increased, gosh, I don't know, like maybe like tenfold since like the 1950s there is a lot more people having contact because we have more of this evolution of consciousness occurring and a lot of star seeds being born into human bodies now does the mm -hmm. the pattern that you're seeing in your family um going back to the past could this have something mm -hmm. to do with bloodlines i know that aliens are oftentimes very interested in bloodlines Yes, they are. Um, as you and I talked about before, when you and I talked on the phone the other day, I mentioned how I'd like to talk about hybridization. And one thing I've noticed is that a lot of the multidimensional and extraterrestrial beings are very focused on bloodlines. And it's because they're looking for certain traits to be brought forward. Now, when people think bloodlines are, oh, O negative, or AB, or this, or that, or the other, when it's not quite that simple, what they're looking for are also specific markers and traits that are found within the blood types. So you could have AB positive DNA, and a lot of that could be activated. It could be fifth dimensional DNA, um, multidimensional DNA that's being activated. And even though you're not falling into the rhesus negative category, you will still have multidimensional contact because you have a lot more of that DNA switched on, enabling for you to have a stronger level of empathic capabilities, telepathic capabilities. Same thing can be said with the other blood types as well. They're not just looking for the negative blood types. I believe that's a very common misconception. Yes, it is a commonality with a lot of them, but they're not the only ones. So I don't agree with that kind of prejudice that seems to be going on or misinformation, in my opinion, that seems to be out there. Any thoughts um, on the the way that um, RH negative people or like an RH negative mother is uh, sometimes mm -hmm. it will actually kill the fetus to have uh, a 
sperm that is not RH negative. Any thoughts on the origins or what could possibly be going on there? I suspect, although I'm not positive with the RH negative, it does have to do with more direct ET DNA, stuff that hasn't been as maybe as altered. When you think about the way humans are, there are so we're a mixture of so many different races. People think that we're just human. Well, most of we're not. We're really not. We could be human with traits of reptilian arcturian or reptilian arcturian, pleiadian, lyran, mantis. We have all these different kinds that are within us. And I think the RH negative trait may have something to do with a specific um base that they're following, something that allows for a greater level of activation to occur. It, one thing I've noticed is I've actually really cataloged a lot of the people that I find my orchestrated relationships are with. So an orchestrated relationship is a relationship where two people, a man and a woman, will end up meeting on craft. We meet at a very young age. We quite often meet when we're children. And we will end up having abductions together from the time we're very small. Every year, multiple times throughout the year, we'll go through training on craft together telepathic and empathic connections there will be bonding pairing this carries on through the teenage years into our 20s our 30s and 40s and this is done because these two people will have more of that activated dna which allows them to have happier healthier hybrids as well as more activated dna or specific bloodline traits being carried forward in the physical offspring on earth and that's one thing that i have found as i've looked at the dozen or so men that i've been bred with while on craft as well as the people that I have had a really strong psychic connection to on a, even a physical level um, in this body. Do you understand? Um, yes. Uh, what was coming to mind for me was mm -hmm. uh, e Eve Lorgan and her work with the alien love bite, how mm -hmm. re relationships are often manipulated by certain beings. And yes, they are. People are brought into each other's lives um, for breeding purposes and also energy harvesting. So there's mm -hmm. definitely a, a whole rabbit hole as far as these sort of um, these relationships where people are brought together by some other force, higher dimensionals. Sounds like yours, however, are more on the positive side. Am I understanding that correctly? Typically, yes. Um, one thing I've had the pleasure of doing is really focusing on all my men that I've known that I've had hybridization with over the last 10 years. And so one thing that I have found is that I've really taken note of, okay, what groups are abducting you and I'm with this person? Is it mostly the reptilians? Is it mostly my labs? Is there a mixture of like um, pleading and energy beings? Who's taking me with this person? And because I've done that, it's given me a greater insight as to what's going on. In my most recent orchestrated relationship, I find that I've got all sorts of beings working with me that I didn't think would be present or really necessarily as focused on the hybridization component. I've got everything from reptilians to palladiums to lyrans to um, mantis beings, the greys, the or, pardon me, arcturians and andromedans, as well as also having angelic beings coming forward. And they're doing this because they are trying to break me out of the cycle of being just used for hybridization and allow for me to have more of that connected relationship without the karmatic aspect. A lot of these relationships that you're looking at with the orchestrator relationships often have people that have karma with one another that's being carried over from a previous incarnation. And that's why they'll have things like the soul recognition, the strong psychic bonding going on, things of that nature. 
And I've never been bred with anyone um, in my habit encounters where these men, like they've all been exceptionally psychic. Some are professional psychics, um, one third of which were my labs. And it didn't really matter what country they were from, but I did find certain traits were more prevalent. Almost all of them were empathic. Almost all of them were telepathic to one degree or another. But I find that if they're not making healthy hybrids with me, they get switched out pretty quickly. And so we might be bred together for three months or six months, and then I make it bred with someone else for a couple years, and that person may get traded out for someone else. It really depends upon the genetics of the hybrids and how things are going as far as their genetic structure is concerned, the way their bodies are forming, the telepathic levels. There are a lot of components taken into consideration that a lot of people aren't realizing with the hybrid aspect. It is very different than what people are thinking. And my last several hybrid um, encounters have all been very positive in nature. And I find that they often put you through a lot of hybridization before you have more children. So if you're someone who is going to be going through orchestrated relationships, you will be going through um, the aspect of meeting these people. At one point or another, you will meet at least one of them who you will have an instant sense of recognition with. You'll be able to finish each other's sentences, understand things psychically from one another. There'll be this draw to them. And this does have to do with the orchestration. And a lot of the orchestration can be related to the hybridization, but can also be related to other things as well. Sometimes they bring people together because they want to see how these two people are going to interact with one another. Are they going to recognize and have more of their memories come forward? It does depend on what group is orchestrating things. It really does. So it sounds like it's not mm -hmm. one of those cases where uh, people are brought to a UFO and they're like already naked and they don't even like know <laughs> totally who they're who they're hooking up with. It sounds like you're Some able to talk do. to them or actually track them after the experience. Yeah, um, my most recent orchestrator relationship, I know who that person is, I know where they live, they and I are really good friends because we recognize a lot of the components in place and we can call each other like, hey, I saw you on craft last night, um, do you, what do you remember, this is what I remember, and compare notes. And a lot of the beings that we're working with are very benevolent, are very focused on the evolution of our consciousness as well as if we're making the choice to have more children to be able to do it in a very healthy way, rather than doing it in a way that would be taking away our sovereignty. They seem to be very concerned about um, our mental welfare rather than just making us be broodmares. So I do find that to be a very um, positive and relieving aspect. Has this, yeah. has this really affected your, you said earlier that, you have mm -hmm. beings that are helping you have more healthy type of relationships. Have these mm -hmm. relationships that were kind of in a way forced on you a little bit, are, were they a source of like some depression or anything like that? No, not necessarily in that component. Um, one thing that people that go through a lot of the experiences that I go through have to be aware of is quite often the relationships that we have come forward can be with handlers or people who are going to navigate and influence your, you and your life in such a way that it takes you off your divine path, your connection to source, your ability to connect into your psychic abilities, things of that nature. And 
the most common um, thing that I've seen with a lot of orchestrated relationships is they either go one of two ways. It's either done by benevolent beings to help move people in a positive path, or it's being done by beings that are looking to um, harvest energy, to put a handler in place, to stop that person from evolving, um, stop them from awakening, things of that nature. So you have to really pay attention to how am I feeling with this um, orchestrated relationship? How am I feeling with all the signs and all the synchronicities that I'm having in place, you really do have to pay attention to those things. Because if you find the majority of the signs and everything else are leaving you feeling depleted and anxious and stressed, then that is more likely a handler that's being placed in front of you. Whereas if you're actually feeling as though um, you're having a lot of soul growth, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, mind you. But if you find that you're actually um, able to feel supported and loved and have that sense of recognition of what's going on with the, the gaslighting aspect that we see with the handlers, then that is more likely an orchestration on a kind or divine path. And people don't quite understand what I mean when I say that you can have orchestrated relationships and have them be positive. When I look at every single major relationship that I've had in my lifetime, whenever I've met anyone who is of significance to me, especially on a romantic level, every single one of them I had met on craft beforehand. I had met them when I was young. There was an instant sense of recognition and not just like a past life connection where it's like, hmm, I think I know that person. For me, time often slows down. It feels like the energy is becoming thicker and like everything is more concise. With one of them, I looked at them and I said, I know you, but I feel like we're going to fight. And we're going to fight a lot. And I was right. We really did. Whereas other ones I've met and I thought, okay, you're going to help move me onto a healthier path. And he did. And my more recent one, I looked at him, I thought, oh my goodness, I recognize you on a capacity I can't even begin to comprehend. There really are different levels to this. Yeah, I think uh, that's something a lot of people miss about relationships in general, because a lot of us have this idea in our head, oh, I got to get married, I got to have three kids, I got to have two cars and a white picket fence. But in reality, a lot of times our relationships aren't really meant to be that. They're actually meant to cause some kind of change in our consciousness or like you said, help us grow in some way. It, it's it's not yeah. always about living happily ever after. Sometimes it's about just um, getting past some kind of karmic trauma or something of that nature. You're very correct about that. Um, one thing I've found between doing readings for people for the last 15 years, as well as going through the psychic aspect, the MyLab aspect, the ET aspect, is it gives me a better understanding about how a lot of these things are interconnected. When people think about... Um, the orchestrated relationships, they actually think of just the, oh my goodness, I've met someone, they're my soulmate, they're my twin flame, that's incredible, I've never felt so much energy and this intense emotional high, and yeah, you can really get that with a lot of these. I found with my last two major orchestrated relationships, there was upper level soulmates involved with both and the thing that they're trying to do is they're actually looking at the vibrational compatibility on a soul level between the two people because I want you to think of it this way everything is emitting a vibration and an energy and if two energies are not compatible then the vibration of the sperm from one and the egg from the other is going to make a discordant um, combination and so they're looking to have more of that energetic balancing going on to find people that would actually make healthier hybrids. Because if you make really healthy hybrids, then you're going to be able to create other great places of change in your own life. Think of it this way, um, with your energy system, if you're emitting, let's say a, um, how can I explain this? 
Can I use you as, as an example? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, of course. So let's say you and I are in hybridization together. And let's say your vibration is emitting the energy of, let's say, a blue vibration. And mine's emitting a yellow vibration. If you put them together, the mixture between the cold vibration and the warm vibration isn't going to be harmonious. You uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Samantha, are you still there? Well, hi, I guess this is Don. I just called you in. Um, I get, didn't get... Oh boy, what the heck. I'm so sorry. And that's part of what they're trying to have people... Sorry, sorry about more... that, Samantha. I was trying to take a call from a, a guest and I screwed up and I accidentally <laughs> paused your call. I have to work on that. But could you just please repeat what you said over the past about uh, 10 seconds? No problem. So if you're emitting this blue vibration, I'm emitting a yellow vibration, that wouldn't be compatible. Instead, you'd need like a green vibration or a purple vibration that was like a deep purple, because these vibrations, the green and the purple, would be co cohesive with the blue. It'd be balanced, it'd be energized in a very healthy way. And that would make healthier hybrids because the vibrations being emitted by you would be at a very smooth and consistent level with that which you've been paired allowing for the hybrid to have more like a greater access to its psychic abilities without having the likelihood of going either insane or having it having health problems or having it um, with all these different issues that it could possibly have. Whereas if you were to be bred with me, my vibration being yellow, our hybrids would be more likely to be sicker, not grow as easily, not have as strong of telepathic capabilities. They wouldn't be able to um, handle the vibration on craft as well. There would just be too many discordant aspects. And so for them quite often, because we're often emitting a different vibration, our vibrations are always evolving and changing and growing as we're all going through this awakening process. They're often switching out partners for people trying to find one that's a maintain, like um, a balance for you someone who's a healthy fit with you does that make sense yeah absolutely one thing that i'll kind of notice sometimes um in the realm of sort of like psychic stuff and like meeting people and things like that i almost feel yeah. like there there's this background story going on where like some higher dimensional self self is communicating with this other person in a way that normally i'm not able to perceive but this communication mm -hmm. does go on like even people that you might meet on the street like when you meet people, there's almost like you have a higher self that is interacting with this other person. And you, you might even know them from past lives and things like that. But I, I, that's kind of my understanding of what you just said. Like, that's my experience with it. You're definitely onto something with that. And I agree with you. Um, the one thing that I find more challenging about going through orchestrated relationships you can find yourself being with someone and having a deeper level of intimacy with them when you know them on an earth plane and then a contact D plane because they'll have a greater understanding of more of what's truly happening in your life. You can't go back to 3D relationships once you have stuff like that happening because those people just won't understand you. There's too much depth going on on a psychic level to be able to go back to normality. It doesn't work. Sorry. No. When did this, when did you start interacting or how did it happen? How did you start interacting with the me labs? 
Well, I recognized, I first realized I was in my lab around 27, 28, when I started finding myself in a lot of very odd situations. So I would find myself having periods of missing time quite a bit around them. And I would find myself having a lot of memories coming back to the surface. And quite often I'd either be wearing a black suit that went from my neck all the way down over my body, covering it down to my feet. And it would go over top of my feet and have um, almost like just my wrist being exposed. And I started to notice I was seeing the same people over and over. And quite often they were in a position of authority. And sometimes they'd be wearing camo. Sometimes they'd be wearing um, almost like formal military wear. And other times they'd be wearing black, similar to what I was. And it was really odd as I started to notice these things because I would find I have this one man who I call the general, who I've seen for years since I was a child. And he's a shorter gentleman. He looks like he's maybe like five, eight, five, ten-ish, very stocky, looks like he's in his late 60s now. Um, quite often when I've seen him, he's wearing like this kind of like pea green type uniform. And he was often the one that was telling me to do one thing or another. And quite often it had to do with using my energy and my abilities to either make force fields, to use it to communicate with ETs, use it to try to um, teach other people that were younger than me how to do different things. And it was really odd at first. I'm like, what, what am I doing? I thought I was just projecting out of my body. And I was really confused by this because I didn't grow up learning what a my lab was. I didn't have any idea what those were. And so I started writing them down in a different journal, like, okay, I'll process this later. I don't get this. I don't see how this fits into the ET component until I started to recognize a pattern. I noticed I was having a phenomenal amount of physical encounters at that time. And while this was happening, I would notice that I would wake up either um, standing at my back door or I'd stand out like the, pardon me, coming to consciousness, standing at my back door or halfway down the hallway or in any number of places. And I'm like, this is the middle of the night or the middle of the morning, anywhere between like midnight and four in the morning. Why am I out of bed? How did I even get here? How did I start like walking down this area without realizing it or being cold? And then I would go back to bed and I would find myself having these really weird what I thought were dreams right afterwards, not realizing that I was having my lab abductions right after physical ET abductions, trying to determine what it was the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals were teaching me, doing to me, whether it's like healing my body, healing my children, um, allowing for me to have a greater level of understanding about different psychic components, giving me information about my future, things like that. And this was because these my lab people were taking me trying to find out more information. And it wasn't until I started to actually write out all of my encounters um, and put them on my external hard drives, I started to realize the pattern in place, seeing, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. I had like two or three encounters in that night. And I started to notice quite often with my my lab encounters. I would see black triangle um, craft or I would start seeing these vortexes kind of open up and I thought that was really peculiar. Sometimes I would see a gray pop out of the wall to come get me and other times I would find there'd be a black triangle with red lights or white lights in the corners um, coming to pick me up and it wasn't until I started actually collecting my notes that I realized the pattern in place and started to look on the internet to figure out what the heck this was. So that's how. Were these taking place underground? Sometimes. But then I started to realize that some of these were also done above ground. One thing that I did this summer was I had a dear friend of mine fly out from across the country. And as he and I were um, driving to the north end of Vancouver Island, I started to have a lot of recognition of that area. And we were really far north. Um, the, we were right past the, like, the smallest town that's up there at the very point of the island. 
Port Hardy and we're way to hack down a logging road. I'm like, I swear I've been here. I'm like, I think I've been to this area before. And he's like, there's no way you've been here before. I'm like, no, I really have. I swear I have. And I'm looking around like, see, there's that hill. And I feel like I've seen this tree before. And then I start dawning me like, there's a military base around here. And he's like, well, if there is, I'm sure we'll find like a lock gate or something up ahead. And he and I drove for a few more kilometers down this single lane dirt road that was fairly new. And we're like, oh, that's kind of odd. There are, there is a very large lock gate and there's this fence that's stopping everything from going forward. And I'm like, it's right over that hill. I'm like, I know there's a little bay up there that's like a U-shaped bay and there's um, a base there because I know I've had a lot of encounters in that area. And I've had several experiences like that where I've gone to areas and I've recognized that not only the vibration being emitted by them, but have that almost like um, the suppressed memories that are within our subconscious that have been placed almost like locked away from us start to come to the surface when you're in the areas that you've had these encounters. It's almost like a bit of a bleed through, if that makes sense. Like you're not able to fully hold the information back and it starts coming back forward in dreams at later dates quite often yeah i've even heard that like you can go to physical yeah. location and there could be nothing there and it you, mm -hmm. you'll be thinking well it was just a dream it never happened but in, in reality um the dimension you were in when you're having the experience was just shifted a little bit from kind of like a comic book or a sci-fi show or movie uh wherever you went it's just shifted or phased maybe that's a better word for it outside of our normal reality just a little bit so that you can interact with whatever's there on the other side, like other technology and stuff like that. Um, I have to wonder if that has something to do with why some people can remember these things. And then when they leave, they don't really remember it. Or, it, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just seems like this stuff couldn't even happen. I've even heard of actual military bases that have these alien sort of phased out, um, attachments to the normal military buildings where there's like an extra floor on top or something like that. But it's yeah. because these uh, aliens sort of built it in another dimension that's just slightly shifted outside of what we know. And that might have something to do with the way that these UFOs are able to travel as well. Yeah, to an extent, I think you could be onto something with that. Um, I definitely have to look more into it to really figure it and get a better idea about it. But the one thing that I've always found kind of odd is everywhere that I've lived, even after I've grown up and left my parents' home a very long time ago, I still always seem to find myself living close to military bases. I'm never very far from them. And I find that kind of peculiar until a friend of mine pointed out that do you ever think the reason why you're never very far is because it makes it easier for you to be abducted? I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense. And one thing that I found quite odd is that when I started looking at even my more recent abductions in the last five years, the amount of times that I've had, um, I found myself just waking up in a partial catatonic state and walking out of my house, walking out of the front door with the dog being completely out cold or um, my family being out cold and me walking out and walking into a white van where there's two men wearing black op clothing. I mean, that happens a lot. And people don't realize how easy it is for things like that to happen. I've had quite a few encounters where there would be some sort of being that would project into the space and take either take me physically or take other members of my family. And it's stuff like that can be a little frustrating as a parent, realizing that you don't have full control over keeping your family safe that way. But it is something that my labs do go through. We don't just have physical abductions where we're going, being picked up by a van or a UFO. Sometimes we do go through things like 
portals. And it's frustrating because quite often they send ETs to pick up people that are going through situations like this. In one of my most horrific encounters that I've ever had that still stresses me out to this day, I was at my last house and I found myself in bed and I was getting ready for bed. And I was like, you know, when you're just laying in bed, you're relaxing, you're trying to meditate, you're doing like, like, um, almost like reading lightly and getting yourself in that like calm space that we can actually put proper energy protection. That's what I was doing. And I felt this craft come overhead. And I thought, oh, I don't have an abduction right now. I've had enough abductions lately. I was feeling kind of frustrated. And so I found myself a moment later with my eyes closed and I thought, why are my eyes closed? And I was starting to be put into like a catatonic state. And the next thing I knew, I had the image of what looked like three or four very odd looking people in front of me. And they're trying to grab me. They're trying to pull me. And I remember struggling with them and getting very frustrated and thinking, no, I don't want to go with you. And I emitted this vibrant green light out of my body. And what happened when I did that was I took myself out of the encounter that they were doing. So either I was being put back into my bed based upon what I was doing or I was put back into my body. I don't know if this was a physical encounter or an, an astral one. I suspect it was physical, though. And so I ended up staying up for the next few hours because every time I would start to get even partially relaxed, these beings kept trying to pull me out of my body. And they came back to me a few days later because I made sure I put up my energy protection. I stayed up all night. It really was quite stressful. And then I ended up finding myself in an underground military base a few days later. And I was in these tunnels that looked like they were rounded. And it was like this really stone gray color. And it was fairly dry. And I don't remember how there were lights in the walls. But I remember knowing that was fairly well illuminated. And I was with this other woman and we were um, kind of like projecting our consciousness further and further ahead, trying to get away from these beings that were following us. They were chasing us very quickly. And when they finally got us and apprehended us, um, I ended up laying down on a table because they were replacing an implant that was within my nose. And it kind of stressed me out because when I woke up from that encounter, I did like the next morning have a nosebleed and I've had other times where I would wake up in the middle of the night after an encounter and this is going to sound disgusting but feel the urge to spit because I can taste iron and blood in my mouth and notice that there's like this weird foamy blood coming out of my mouth and this is because of the interaction with the MyLab component because they don't necessarily like when their assets are being bred on craft because the things that the ETs are doing to us can often take us so we're not quite... <laughs> being kept in those altars or programs where we're not able to remember the information from our black ops encounters. And so they try to um, diminish or decrease the amount of ET contact that we're having. It's really quite frustrating to go through. Yeah. It's uh, really interesting to think that yeah. people are getting this programming where they're, uh, they have these different altars inside of them. It, really kind of linked for me the world of alien ufos abductions my labs mm -hmm. underground bases dumbs with the celebrity illuminati sort of world it seems to tie right together as if whatever's doing this to the abductees is also mm -hmm. doing something similar to some of these celebrities like I don't know if, if she's brainwashed or not, like Miley Cyrus, people like that, for example. They are. They you are. You can see it in this. That's if you look at who they were when they were children, and then you compare their eyes again when they're in their early twenties, you can tell there's a really big change. There's a disassociation already occurring 
And if you look at their eyes as they go in towards their 30s and their 40s, you can see that essentially the soul that was behind those eyes is dead. There's a strong disassociation going on there. And you have to start looking for the common triggers in place that are also occurring. Everyone who goes through programming has different kinds of triggers. I'm not going to share with you what mine are, but I do recommend for those of your audience who are going through stuff like this, start to recognize the things that put you into either very emotional states or very um, complacent states, because those are things that are used quite often. I, in one of my encounters that was in my lab one, um, I had myself in this room and I was with a woman who had a binder in front of me and she was a black ops personnel. And she was pointing, like she had a bunch of um, almost like, it's going to sound so stupid. It's almost reminds me of like a scrapbook. It was like a multi-inch binder, like a four or so inch thick binder with a silver ring in there, and like three prongs. And on each page, which was like a clear kind of page or a white page, pardon me, um, with that clear foam over top, there was one image, whether it was like a red door and the next one could be a yellow bicycle and the next one could be whatever, different situations, like people um, going through different emotional situations, whatever. And she asked me to pick the ones that really resonated. And what she was looking for is, is trying to see what of my triggers and alters was I more cognizant of. Things like a blue butterfly is one of them. I'm aware of that. I do recognize it puts me into a more psychic state, but I, I'm not comfortable sharing my other ones. I hope that's okay. Because I do start to see even my friends who are very, very close to me, people who are very dear to me, they know some of my triggers. And so if we're driving by and I end up seeing one of them, it kind of like there's something that switches within the mind. And you may not even realize that you're doing it, but you'll start to become really angry, very frustrated, very um, almost like disconnected and no empathy towards others. And my best friend, she's like, OK, you were very triggered right now. And I think it's because of this, because we just passed that and we drove by this, too. I'm like, yep, you're right. And so. Luckily, I've got people that I care about who can recognize when I am in that more triggered state to help get me out of it again and get me better connected, because that's the only way you can really move past your triggers is to try to deprogram them very safely, but cautiously. Yeah, in, in my opinion, it's mm -hmm. not it's not even really just I mean, of course, what you go through is to a much greater extent, but I feel like this is being done to really all of society. Yes. There... there is um, triggers that are being done to all of us. If you look at the amount of, think about when we were kids, when we were growing up in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we didn't really see that many ads for alcohol on TV. Well, TV's now become social media. And I don't know about you, but I noticed there are tons of ads for alcohol, for sex, or things that put us into that root chakra energy system where we're just focused upon the pleasure and now everything that takes us out of our consciousness out of our point of connection they are trying to deprogram people away from their level of community away from um, their connection to their family as a means of isolating them because they are humans are weaker if we're not connected we're very social beings and it actually puts us into a state of depression and when you're depressed you can't access your psychic abilities it's actually what they're doing is brilliantly done yet it is the greatest violation that you can possibly do because it's a violation of consciousness and the beings. A lot of people are not aware of the fact that we have benevolent extraterrestrial multidimensional beings that are working with us. They try to reprogram that. We have so many star seeds incarnating over the last 45 years to come here and break these systems, to get rid of them and bring humans back to being a sovereign people because we haven't been for a very long time and things are getting very bad very quickly. 
absolutely. What you're what you're saying about the root chakra resonates with me a bit because I I totally agree. I feel like somehow mm-hmm. part of what this programming is doing is keeping mm-hmm. people on that base level, um, mm-hmm. and, and then all like the pornography um, obsession with money. Uh, mm-hmm. just obsession with the material in general, it all mm-hmm. seems to be kind of focused on keeping everybody uh, almost in a bestial state. You're right. It is. It keeps them as far out of consciousness in that place of interconnection as possible. If you keep them focused on sex and pleasure, they're never going to look at that point of connection. They're not going to recognize how psychic they are or how they can talk to plants and animals and guy and how they can communicate with beings from the stars and everywhere else in the universe. They won't be able to talk to their dead ancestors to see the patterns that are being replayed over and over. It's the, in one sense, a supreme manipulation tactic that most people are being very short-sighted and not being willing to look at. And I think it's a shame, but I do see it changing. I've noticed in the last 10 years of my readings, it has gone from a few people starting to wake up to the majority of my clients are awakening and having so much yellow in their aura. They're starting to really connect into that heart chakra. It seems like the amount of people that are recognizing that they're clairsentient or empathic now is just absolutely beautiful. It really is an evolution of consciousness that is changing. As we become more conscious, we impact the people around us. And so well, if you think about it, because they're... This is going to sound very odd, but one of the reasons why I know I got moved all over the place in my adult life is my guides told me I had to re-anchor the energy that was in place in those areas to raise the vibration of them. And when I get the vibration to the right point and someone else with a more suited vibration comes in, I get replaced and get moved somewhere else. And what they're trying to do is they're actually taking a lot of these humans, they're activating them, and they're using the humans to broadcast that new frequency into the area that's around them. So you may wonder, why am I in an apartment building? I'm so psychic. I'm so connected. I'm so empathic. I can't handle this. Why am I here? I need to be in the country, in the woods. But the beings that you're working with could be keeping you in that apartment building because you're helping to transmute a lot of the energy from the people that are going into that space and you're helping to awaken them so they don't go into a deeper level of sleep. So there really is a grand plan that is going on with a lot of these different beings in the way that they're helping to connect people on a more psychic level. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that because (laughs) these aliens, they're... Mm They're aware of things about the human body, occult laws about the human body that we are not. And for whatever reason, we can't seem to reach that level of understanding of what you would see in Eastern knowledge, like the chakra system, which is a very real thing. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, What's interesting is some of the benevolent beings that I work with, they've talked to me about how um, because of the way we're also focused on technology now, we spend all of our time inside. We've actually not only made it so we're all ungrounded for the most part. I'm speaking as a collective, not talking about the individuals. But our minor chakras aren't being activated by the moonlight, by the starlight. Our major chakras are not having the replenishing energy of the rising of the sun to activate the first three chakras and the setting of the sun to activate the top three. And so 
when you look at that component, our heart chakra tends to be activated by both. It's activated when we're also grounded into the earth as well as with the sunset and the sunrise. Our connection to others is part of how our like our heart chakra really gets that strong vibratory essence. And when they were explaining that to me, I tried to make it a point in my life to ensure that I do go outside all, quite often. I walk my dogs quite a lot. That's why most of my YouTube videos are outside because no better time to make a YouTube video than when I've spent that much time in the woods anyways you're more clear you're more connected and that's why you'll find most kids are getting so heavily programmed in towards video games and just staying inside it's trying to stop them before they really recognize what is going on it's trying to stop them out of that level of connection and deconnect them from their psychic abilities and their natural um place of almost like unity if you look at kids in the 70s or the 50s or the 40s, they could go outside all day. They would enjoy looking at insects and bugs or pardon me, insects and animals and plant life. They could really enjoy that. You won't find as many children now being as capable of enjoying that because of the degree of technology that we have. And this goes into the programming that you and I talked about earlier, which also interconnects to the addiction towards sex, violence and substances as well. Yeah, speaking of violence, I was just about to say, um, in terms of video games, like I remember when I was younger, I would see some blood or something like it would just scare the heck out of me. It horrify me. Like I could not stomach the sight of blood. But as I got older, I would watch wrestling, I would watch like UFC, and I'd mostly play tons and tons of video games. And there came a point where I would see something violent and it's like instead of the natural reaction of this is terrible, this is horrifying. It's almost like you get kind of bloodthirsty and you just want more and more of these violent video games and stuff like that. You can definitely uh, kind of feel the collective vibration of all of us being lowered by this obsession with violence. There really is. Um, what I find very interesting when you look at this component as well is when you think about how we're being desensitized to the violence aspect, we're also having the same thing being done with the sexual component. When we are in a soulmate relationship, a twin flame relationship, where you have that um, strong soul connection with someone, where you recognize them as being part of your soul family, that part of loving someone unconditionally, Without it, now I'm not talking about like codependency or abusive relationships, none of that. I mean that healthy, heartfelt relationship where you can be your true and honest self with someone. When you have a romantic and physical relationship with someone of that nature, who you have that divine connection with, you actually activate the Kundalini system, the chakras, you expand your auric body, you provide healing to your own body as well as the person that you're um, having it with, and it sends positive and loving energy into the space around you, around both of you, into the room, into the onto the property. Whereas what is happening now from what I've noticed is most people are having just um, very short-term gratifying relationships that are actually creating a tremendous amount of energetic cords going from their root chakra to other people and so they're continually receiving information from all these other people and they're sending it out to them and it's actually very imbalancing and it's very unhealthy and so when i was a teenager i think i was like i don't know like 14 maybe 15 and one of the beings i work with an angelic being told me that i was not allowed to have a lot of sexual partners in this lifetime and explained that it had to do with the energetic component at the time i was like what does that even mean but okay and so 
when I realized that and they started to explain it to me more and more as I got older, I was very grateful that I had listened to their advice because if you do have a lot of sexual partners, it really does increase the amount of energetic cords between you and those people. And most people don't think to um, heal the cords and then sever the cords and heal the area where the cords were connecting them. Instead, they walk around with all this psychic information coming from all their previous partners, which is it can be convoluting for you for trying to connect in on like an intuitive level, an empathic level, because you are being bombarded with other people's energy. And that's just tiring. Yeah, that's really interesting because there, there are people like priests and monks and people like that, that, yeah. that they avoid sexual contact for spiritual reasons. It's almost like we have this knowledge left over from ancient times, yet there is, there's a real sort of, uh, occult significance to it it's something that we don't really respect as much nowadays because it's, it's like it's, get the, get as much sex as you can as many partners as you can it feeds your ego uh, makes you better than everybody else but in reality it's not that simple and some people I, i've even heard mm -hmm. of in in the you know the alien sort of um occult world of people being kept mm -hmm. as virgins by these beings for a long time because these aliens or whatever they are they're doing it for a spiritual purpose. Like somehow it benefits the person spiritually, or maybe they're just trying to do something negative to this person. I don't know, but I have heard of that. Not as much of the negative aspect. Um, I guess it really depends upon the group that that person is working with. Like if that person is working with a negative group of white draconians and they're being kept as a virgin and only able to breed with the, let's say the negative draconians, then yeah, that's definitely for a negative purpose. However, that person is dealing with a more, let's say normal group, something that is a bit more on the benevolent side. So that has more of a soul connection towards that person. One thing I've found between my clients and really getting to know my own family history and everything else, a lot of these groups will deliberately, as we talked about earlier, follow generation to generation. People who um, see my children saw me, will see my parents, they'll see my great grandparents, so on and so forth. And I've been able to track that back about five generations, which is awesome. But the one thing that I've noticed is they can be very protective of their bloodlines as well. People think that, oh, well, I don't know why every time I try to hook up with so-and-so, everything falls apart, I get a flat tire, I lose my phone, my kid pukes, whatever. Not realizing that the beings that they're working with can be preventing you from having things move forward with this person because there are things with that person's health or that person's mental state that would actually be very detrimental for you to have around. And so having that level of recognition, I think, is also very important as we look at the um, the orchestrated like relationships from another aspect or a different angle. I think there's a lot more to it than people realize. Um, when I was younger, I, my high school sweetheart, um, really nice guy, don't get me wrong, but he and I did have abductions together, but he was extremely militarily focused. I'm talking about it being into cadets, um, really wanting to look into like the Air Force, going into law, very uh, as far away from his level of connection as possible, away from that connection to source. And I didn't realize at the time that he was an orchestrated relationship on a karmatic level, but also more so from in my lab situations, rather than from the benevolent ETs that I work with. And so when he and I end up having our energies go separate ways and we end up um, breaking it off, I was actually very heartbroken by that. 
not realizing when the beings that I work with were trying to tell me, hey, it's okay, we're going to bring something so much better for you. We don't want this kind of energy around you. All I could see was the negative side of losing someone in my life that I loved. And so I think we do have to view things from a different perspective. Do you understand? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I suppose what strikes a chord with me about you is how the comfort level you've reached with these beings, because yeah. I just feel like if I was to go through the same thing, I would start to hate them. Like they're manipulating me and it drive me crazy. Well, some days I like, I'm not always happy with them. Don't get me wrong. Some days I get very frustrated with having encounters. I sometimes look at it and go, why can't I just have a normal life? Why can't I just quit psychic readings and um, never have to deal with encounters again? I'm tired of waking up and be like, oh, great, the front door is unlocked, and I know it was locked when I went to bed, and I know that my kids didn't do it, and I know that no one else in the house did it, and realizing that it's one of the signs when I was had a physical encounter last night, or stuff like that. Like, I, I know what you mean when you say you're not sure if you would be able to look at them and not hate them. I get that. And some days I do feel that, too. But for the most part, I actually do really enjoy my contact. I like the fact that with these beings, I can go through situations like, okay, in January, myself and my children all got very, very sick. We actually had pretty much all the symptoms of COVID, but not quite as bad. And right before that happened, um, we had an ET encounter happen. And they explained that they were actually giving us a very similar form of the virus to be able to prevent us from having anything similar like that come get us because of the lungs being compromised, which is something that they've been looking to change because of the ET genetics that we have. That is the area where it's more needing of, I guess, different genetics to be embedded into the bloodline. They're looking for my next best to have very strong and capable lungs. And the one thing that they're doing is quite often when we get really sick, they come to our aid. So whenever I've had bronchitis, I will have ET abductions coming where the beings come physically either into my room or they will open up a vortex and take me through the vortex. So they'll take me up onto craft and they will heal the body. They will realign things that are out of sorts, not just on energetic scale, but also on a physical scale. Now, I love the fact they do that. I'm so grateful for the fact they do that for my family. But I'm very frustrated and confused by the fact that when I ask them to do it for other people, whether it's people that reach out to me because of their loved one or children being sick or dying, and I ask the beings to go help those people and the beings don't do it, I get very frustrated because I don't understand things from their perspective. And so that's where it's a little bit confusing for me, is trying to understand things from their place formers because they told me they can't tell me everything because I won't understand some of it. And also, because of my MyLab encounters, they're not willing to share with me some information because if I get put into a catatonic state or a certain, like, altar, I am more prone to sharing the information of things that I have seen or witnessed, or pardon me, or experienced. And so there is some trepidation around exploring, like, explaining everything to people like me who do have a lot of MyLab situations. Yeah, that's that's extremely interesting. Um... I've heard of similar things before. It's almost like some of these alien groups are playing a game of spy versus spy with each other. Uh, it almost feels like what I would call a cold war. Like they don't fight per se. They probably do. And they probably have quite a bit, but at least for the most part, they don't fight per se. They sort of just play these games of espionage with each other. 
Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I can agree with that one. Um, one thing that I do find interesting is that I do have a lot of memories about Black Ops interrogating me and trying to gain more information about the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals. But I don't recall the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals ever asking me for information about what's going on in my Black Ops situations. Now, I'm not sure if this is because they already have the information or because they're just able to scan my energy system or my memories to see. I don't know why that is, but that is one thing that I thought was rather peculiar as well. Yeah, that's that's uniform with other things I've heard. Um, typically, it seems like the good aliens or beings, instead of trying to spy on the other ones, they'll, they'll offer like help. They'll like explain how you might be able to build a force field around yourself, or or do things that might might kind of help you break free from these. Um, you know, this would be a good time to ask: sure. who, who do you feel are these negative beings in the my labs and all that? Is this what some UFO theorists theorize about that it's uh, a draconian human elite alliance, something of that nature? Based upon the information that I've been presented with, I do feel as though that is a more accurate depiction of what's going on. I don't think it's just the way people are thinking. I think it goes above and beyond that. I suspect it actually has something to do more with more of an AI component, even influencing a lot of the actions of some of these other beings. I don't think it's just really evil draconians. I think there's something more to it. Although I don't think anyone truly has a full picture of what's going on. I think we're all very slightly biased one way or another. I've mentioned many times over the years that we can't say one entire race of beings is evil or good because it's not that cut and dry. But from the information that I have based upon the different groups of reptilians I've met and based upon who I've seen most commonly with these um, my lab situations is they do appear to be working with numerous groups of reptilians. But I do think it is more likely the draconians than say the reptilians from Orion. So. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, there seems mm -hmm. to be a current of like some other things we may have talked about, there's a current there that kind of connects the UFO world, the draconians I'm talking about. There's a current mm -hmm. that seems to connect the UFO world with the occult world, as far as these beings are concerned. And when the pieces fit together and the dots connect, I get chills down my spine because it's yeah. registering to me. It's true. And then I think to yeah. myself, these things, you know, a lot of times we want to talk ourselves out of these things being true, just because we're so in awe. It's terrifying for most of us. But when we get confirmation like that, it just really puts you in a state where you're like, man, there's so much out there that I don't get. There's this incredible, it's, it's beyond a war. It's just, it it's, truly is the greatest story ever told, whatever is happening right now. I agree with you. But one thing I have found through a greater exploration of my own contact and looking at that in correlation to my past life memories that have come forward, you'll find that a lot of contactees and abductees have been going through contact for multiple lifetimes. It's not a new thing for most of us. We may not remember it as something that we've had for multiple lifetimes right away, but when you start doing past life regressions, you start taking yourself into that 
deeper level of Akashic reading of your own records, you'll start to find more information come to the surface. And many people that are going through my lab situations, um, they do have families either on a physical level or a previous incarnation level that are connected towards the Nazi party, which is connected to a very negative group of extraterrestrial and multidimensionals that are very Caucasian and very white supremacist, which I find to be absolutely appalling. But it is something that I have noticed. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, you know, from what little research I've done on it. The, the Nazis, I believe they were channeling a group of extraterrestrials. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. I think they're from Alderaan or Aldebaran. And they, they actually were giving them technology. And it's just so mind-blowing because here you have like the statement from Hitler talking about uh, meeting the Uberman or the Superman. And then at the same time, you, you know that they're channeling these beings and they're all about white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it's probably still going on in some aspect, like these racist groups like KKK, um, neo-Nazis, et cetera, et cetera. For all we know, uh, these extraterrestrials might be guiding them. I wouldn't be surprised with a few of the groups, but I believe that the majority of the groups actually see humanity as a whole without the petty differentiations that we seem to be putting in place. We're such a naive and simple race in a lot of ways, just because of our programming, just because the way we've been raised is not that we're stupid, we're simply uneducated. And because of the way that we're being programmed, we're being pegged against each other, whether it's based upon race, religion, skin color, income level, we're really being taught to be as isolated and separated as possible. And with the use of things like technology, they're putting an even greater level of disconnect between each of us once again. And one thing that I have found is that when I look at the situations to do with some of my encounters, it does seem as though a lot of the MyLab groups are extremely racist. I've only had a couple of encounters in the last 25 years that I'm aware of having encounters. I don't remember any from like my really little, little ages of my lab stuff. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means I don't recall them. But from what I could tell from the age of like seven, 10, somewhere around there onwards, um, I started looking at, okay, well, what do the people look like? What do you remember people wearing? What were their body types? What was their health like? Really trying to pull as much information from my subconscious and from my memories as possible, just to give myself more clues and a better understanding. And I did find that in a lot of my encounters of my lab situations, they were typically white people. Now I have seen African people like African American or African as well as some Asian people in them and they were other people who were being utilized for their psychic gifts typically and when I look at that component and I think about the fact that these um my lab situations are quite often having reptilians that are being cloaked and presenting themselves as human when you can feel the vibratory nature of them as being not human you may be wondering well, what the heck do I mean when I say feel the vibratory nature of them not being human well you know, when you walk by somebody and let's say you're meeting them for the first time, what you're doing when you're near them is your aura is actually interacting with their aura. You're feeling, do I feel good in this person? Do I feel bad? Am I feeling safe? Am I feeling as though I can talk to them? Do I feel as though um, they're a safe person, an honest person? You're getting all these emotional reads on them. Well, when you walk by people who aren't people that are projecting themselves to be people, right away, something just doesn't sit right. You recognize that there's something almost like a facade being placed before you. 
And it's a matter of beginning to recognize the vibration being emitted by the different types of beings that allows you to get an idea of what kind of being is interacting with you. And if you look at somebody who's got a cloaking on them or is trying to project into your mind a specific kind of appearance, if you keep looking at their eyes and you really kind of pay attention to their face, is there are like are their lips moving? Are their body movements like similar to that of what humans do? It does make it easier to be able to recognize when you're having a being trying to present a facade to you and trying to manipulate you. And what I found quite often was it was a lot of cloaked reptilians interacting with me in my lab encounters when I was younger. And now it seems like they don't even bother cloaking half the time. They just appear as full reptilian because they realize there's just no point in doing it. I've called them out on it a lot of times. And sometimes that makes them very furious. And other times they smirk like, oh, God, at least you're smart to figure that out in a kind of condescending manner. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, incredibly fascinating, especially the part about. Um you know, some of these, some of these uh, people being being racist, because it, it really yeah. makes me wonder about the bloodlines once again, because um, like the, a lot of the royals in Europe, you, you hear about them sort of having some of these kind of like racist beliefs. And uh, there's a lot of people that say that they exclusively have RH negative blood or a similar blood type, something like that. Um, I can't help but feel those things are connected. Like they're trying to uh, part of the reason they have these racist feelings is because they're so obsessed with DNA and bloodlines. Well, one thing I've found is that in a lot of my orchestrations with the extraterrestrial multidimensional beings, they seem to be more focused on the, they don't seem as fixated on the RH negative component. Whereas when it comes to the MyLab component, I've had my blood taken from them multiple times. They have discussed replacing one handler with another so many times I can't even begin to go into that. It's frustrating. But they don't like their what they consider to be their possessions or their my labs breeding with people who aren't of the right bloodlines. And so they do like to, and I quote, keep it in the family. And so as someone who's going from one orchestrated relationship trying to break out of that pattern, I look at this and I realize that you have to be very cautious because quite often they will have their my labs that they're trying to orchestrate um, a handler relationship replacing one previous handler. Um, they will make it so that that person who's going to be replacing them either is in the military or who has connections to the military who will be of the proper bloodline who can prevent the um, I guess the person like myself, the my lab from going and acting outside of what their governed wishes are they're not happy about people like me talking about stuff like this helping people that are just starting to go through the awakening really point like connect the dots and get things better um understood they would rather us be quiet about it. they'd rather me just keep to this fluffy stuff like oh let's talk about angels and fairies and let's talk about all these lovely beings rather than point at the dark aspect as well because you can't have light without the dark it doesn't work that way yeah that that's absolutely true and yeah, the other side of the coin is if we focus too much on the dark, we could find our vibration getting pulled down. So um, definitely you got to have a healthy balance of uh, the positive and the negative. And uh, it, it just helps to be aware in general. We don't want to bury our heads in the sand, but we don't want to obsess over darkness either. That both things can lead lead to ruin. I agree with you completely. Um, one thing that I found as I really started to navigate past a lot of my, I guess, triggering and programming and really started to get 
an awareness of how these things impact the lives of people going through it is we have to be very cautious about the people that we have in our lives because we can even have friends put into our lives who are a form of handler that are being abducted themselves and put into these um, partially altered states and they're put back where they keep their those that are closest to them very negatively focused in a place of fear about other money or um, negative relationships or about, um, oh, don't talk to spirits, that's dangerous, you'll get possessed. Oh my God, I know so many people have been like possessed by talking to what they thought were angels. See what I mean? Like there's that straight direction towards fear being programmed into those people to then spread to others. Yeah, and that kind of goes important. in. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say, it's important to be educated, but don't be unnecessarily afraid. Yeah. Um, what you said about spirits, that really resonates with me because it's like, at times you don't want to open yourself up because like me personally, I have this great fear of being manipulated, partly because of past experiences I've had, some rather recent, yeah. but at the same time, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. What if there is a being that really is trying to help me or what if this ufo has good aliens inside of it instead of bad aliens should i shoo it away with my intent or should i should i put a mm. open up the drawbridge and see what they have to say well the easiest way for you to better discern it and determine whether you should be i guess connecting with these beings or not connecting with them is recognizing the most basic aspects when i have this ship near me or this being near me how am I feeling in this moment? Recognize if something isn't safe for you, if it wishes ill towards you, you will feel it in your being. You will feel that heaviness, that sinking, that pullback feeling. You'll feel a sense of anxiety, stress, trepidation. Whereas when something has more benevolent intentions towards you or even slightly indifferent intentions towards you, you'll feel that as well. You'll feel more of a sense of calmness, um, level of comfort. You won't feel that sense of anxiety that you'd feel if it's a negative being, think about a time in your life where someone was a really bad person to be around, whether it was someone who um, was a bully or sexually assaulted you or someone who um, was just overall a jerk, doesn't matter. Just think about that kind of time in your life. And if you think about that person and how you felt when you first met them and every time after that, when you were around them, You'll recognize that their energy impacted your energy in such a way that your body gave you physical clues telling you that this person's energy did not have good intentions towards you. And so when I'm meeting different types of beings, and I find that sometimes they'll be presenting themselves as my aunt, or my friend, or my grandma, or whoever, I quite often have to look at them and be like, okay, I can tell you have a facade on. Are you doing this to make me comfortable? Or are you doing this to be manipulative? And then I just kind of feel it out. Okay, you're doing this to make me comfortable because I feel at ease in this moment. And so from that point on in the encounter, I am better able to navigate how I react towards that being. Even if I'm going in and out of a catatonic state or varying degrees of consciousness, I might remember next um, finding myself on a table and then seeing a hybrid ch child a moment later. I might remember, okay, well, I felt safe through that being. I felt okay. And then I found myself on a table. And I remember something about it, like um, getting something out of my abdominal, like abdomen, it being really painful. And I think, oh, my God, they hurt me last night. I don't know what happened. And not realizing that a moment later, because I went to a place of fear, that a being went behind me 
put two fingers on one side of my shoulder, one at the other side, pushed in at a pressure point and put me into a place where I had no more pain. And so if you just look at your encounters and you start to recognize the intention of the being and how you felt when you were in its presence, even if something painful or uncomfortable happens to you, you can better navigate the experience by understanding how you felt when you're near them because it's very hard to maintain a loving calming vibration throughout the entire encounter if you're not actually intending to have loving energy towards someone if i'm looking at you and i'm like i'm gonna hurt him i'm gonna manipulate him and i'm gonna hurt him and i talk to you and i'm pretending to be super sickly sweet and whatever you're gonna feel it you're gonna recognize that something's not right because humans are very intuitive creatures most of us are clairsentient, so the ability to recognize energy. We may not always be um, so in tune with the energy that we're recognizing every single person's emotion and everything that's going on in their lives. But we are intuitive enough to be able to recognize if someone has a strong emotion towards us. And many of us do get claircognizance, which is the ability to have downloads of information come into our mind. It's sporadic for most people to the point that it's not occurring in every moment. It's occurring like little drops here and there and everywhere. And so you'll get these thoughts that come in like, oh, I feel like the light's going to change um, as I'm driving my car down the road. And oh, look, it goes from being um, green up to yellow, now up to red. Okay. Or oh, I feel like that person's going to cut me off or I feel like the phone's going to ring or whatever. Those are aspects of your clear cognizance coming through. And the reason I'm bringing this up is when you're going through abductions, whether it's my lab abductions, um, MK Ultra stuff, whether you're going through stuff related to your ET abductions or ET contact with the difference being the intent to um, use you for their own gain versus have you be, um, have, be beneficial and more cognizant and awake and get information, you will always have information coming into your mind about what's going on. And you will always have that energetic awareness. So turn to that and trust it. Because I've found with all of my encounters, Whenever I felt like something was off, I may have felt okay with it in the moment, but sometimes I will go home afterwards and I will cry and recognize I felt okay with it right then, but I know something else happened after that wasn't okay. And always trust in that intuitive feeling. It's very important. So uh, in a nutshell, we all should start listening to our gut a little bit more. Always, always listen to your gut. Your gut will tell you if people are lying. Your gut will tell you if something is dangerous. Your gut will tell you everything you need to know it really will that is the one sensation that i've ingrained into a lot of the people that i work with that you have to trust your gut your gut will tell you what's going on it really will earlier you mentioned implants yeah. implants this is mm -hmm. a very reoccurring theme in ufology mm -hmm. you know going back to shows like in search of it seems mm -hmm. like it's always kind of been going on what are they? Why are they putting strange metallic objects inside of us? They're not all necessarily metallic because some of them are made of um, almost like properties that are made on like an energetic aspect. So you could have implants in your aura as well as implants in the physical body. But the ones in the body, of course, being of a lower technological grade and more impacting of the body. So I personally have an implant for a number of reasons. People think implants and, oh my goodness, they're going to be tracking me and they're always going to know where I am. They're always going to be able to find you. Well, guess what, honey? You're emitting a very specific vibration. Your soul has a vibration that doesn't fluctuate a lot. Your aura 
is wrapped around your body, which your soul is partially encompassing or being encased within. And so because of that aspect, they don't need implants in your body to find you. The MyLab people do, but that's only if they're not using remote viewers and like clairvoyance to find you. But the ETs don't need to have an implant in you to know your location. They will put implants in you if you're having any health issues. If you're prone to, let's say, you're prone to a heart condition, then in which case they might put an implant over your heart to help your heart maintain a certain level of vibration and frequency. They can also put implants around your, let's say, your uterus if you're having really bad periods to help you to have it be more regular and more consistent. They can do implants for any number of reasons. They can put implants within your eyes to be able to see exactly what you're seeing. They can put some implants in your nose. There's a number of things that they can do them for. Some are put into your brain to increase psychic abilities. Some are put... Um, into different parts of the body like I know I have an implant on my hip on the side and it's not a metal implant like I've had the metal scanners go over it that's not what it is but it showed up one day after an encounter and it's been there for a year or two now and I don't know why that implant's there but it doesn't change in size shape texture it's still a little bump on my hip that goes outwards and it's not a fatty cyst I've had my doctor look at it I've had a different doctor look at it they said it's just a bump they couldn't quite figure out what it was and I knew that it was more so related to an ET encounter whereas the energetic implants that are placed within the aura can do any number of things um implants well pardon me I should finish one more thing before I stop that thanks guys um my guides reminded me that sometimes people have implants around their brain or in their head that can enable things like voice to skull technology to have a greater degree of influence as well as to cause ringing and tones being said within the head when energy like weapons are directed towards that person or when certain tones are being emitted by their cell phone to cause that person's energy to go into a chaotic or discordant state. So there are a number of reasons why implants are used by both parties. The other thing that can be done on an energetic scale when it comes to implants is it actually can help to um, make it so a person is actually able to be better hosted by some being. So let's say I wanted, I'm a being and I want to connect onto your auric field and I want to keep you from having these higher vibrational aspects, trying to disconnect you from your higher self. I could put an implant over top of your third eye, the third eye region to help prevent you from allowing your clairvoyance to move forward, to help prevent you from being able to see your dreams at night, remember your astral projections and to have difficulty really projecting out of the body or remote viewing because that would be the third eye chakra being impacted by that implant. And so there are a number of different reasons that we could see this happening. Sometimes they'll put an implant around the root chakra by creating um, almost like an energetic imbalance between the root and the sacral to better allow for hosting to occur. Hosting, of course, is when you have a being that is multidimensional in nature, being within the auric field of the human, this can be done for a number of different reasons, but quite often it's to gain control and or influence over top of the human, not just for feeding of loosh or the energetic field. And so if I were to be a being that wanted to influence a human, sometimes it's negative varieties of gray, sometimes it's negative reptilians, sometimes it's gin. They can be any number of things, some gremlin type beings, some pixie type beings, there's a whole gambit of them. And so what I would do is I would start influencing the auric field towards the root and towards the sacral, but more importantly, towards the back, because the back does 
have an easier time to be influenced than the front because the back, of course, relate to the past, the front, of course, relate to the future. And what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to make it so that human doesn't see me all the time. If it sees me, it's going to recognize something's wrong. I'm not going to, be able to have the same degree of influence and control. And so I would arrange for some kind of injury to occur to your lower back, or I would start make it so you either pull a disc or break your back or um, create like a hairline fracture or pull muscles in that area, anything along those lines. And if I can't get that, then it would do something like um, sexually assault someone or have a being that also is, also is influencing that human or pardon me, or a different being that is influencing other a human to sexually assault that person to bring that root chakra energy way down. And quite commonly, it's done when the person's younger, so between the ages of zero and five, or zero and ten, with zero and five, of course, being a more influential period, because in that time you're more within your root chakra, your connection to your parents, breaking and severing that tie. And so, what it would do is it would then connect in through the act of either sexual penetration via anal or vaginal, sorry if those words are not to be said, and it would allow for that energy being to start hosting, and that does work, but sometimes they will place implants there to open the chakra or to close the chakra as well, creating periods of hypersexuality, um, periods of in, either intense sexual focus or absolute fear and obsession around money, things of that nature, do you understand? Like, there's a number of reasons. For yeah, that. that's uh, wow. That that was uh, quite a bit to take in. Really fascinating stuff. Um, you know, early on you mentioned, yeah, implants causing the ringing and oscillation. Um, that strikes a chord immediately with me because I've been having that issue since I was a child. It'll be like a high pitch mm -hmm. oscill, kind of like tinnitus, high pitch oscillated ring. Um, oftentimes I'll feel pressure and deafness in one side and like then hear the, the yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've always wondered, is this an implant? Are they uh, manipulating me? Are they downloading information? Uh, it, it's just a constant source of wonder for me. Um, a lot of times it feels negative. It, it almost feels like it, it seems to coincide with certain lines of thinking, if that makes sense. It does, because when the implant goes off, that shift in vibration from whatever you are currently vibrating at goes from being something, let's say, calm to being more discordant. All of a sudden, you're feeling frustrated at the world and how people are all sheeple and how everything else is so frustrating and how you now are stressed about money and obsessed about sex. And you're like, I just, I hate everything. And it just puts you in that negative state and also puts you straight into the root chakra emotions. So we have anger, pa passion, frustration, lust, greed, um, feelings of security, feelings of wanting to focus on how can I get better security within my life. And so it's that me versus them aspect rather than that point of interconnection. Yeah, it's, uh, wow. It's really fascinating yeah. to me, again, because this whole energetic yeah. thing that's happening, uh, the fact that these beings are aware of science in a way that's so advanced beyond ours it's scary because you don't know exactly what they're doing. You don't know how it's affecting you, but you know, it's doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think to my, and oftentimes I'll like say a little prayer or doing, do something like that. And that ringing mm -hmm. will actually stop, which is really puzzling. Mm -hmm. It'll immediately just shut off. Sometimes it'll actually be squelched by my, prayer or my intent the more i focus on it and the more types of things that i say like i'll I'll pray to christ or 
Um, sometimes I'll focus on archangels and stuff like that, or or just p- picture force field around myself. It it got to the point where I was doing like five different visualizations in a row because that's the only way I could tur- get this oscillation to kind of turn off, almost like it's a battle of wills at times. Yeah, because they'll be shifting the vibration around as well. You'll find it's not the exact same tone or pitch every time. It'll go between a few different tones, all within a certain range that is very close in frequency. And the reason why I bring that part up is when you look at it, if you're only emitting one pitch, then it's very easy to find a way to defend against that one pitch. Whereas if you have several pitches in which you are able to randomly choose from, your human that you're targeting is going to be focused more so on how do I defend against this, not what exactly is coming at me, what is the tone, what is the pitch, and okay, this one worked this time. So it's harder for you to determine the pattern that's being used. And what scares me is I hear about this harp thing. You know, I'm a conspiracy guy, so I've looked into a lot of this stuff. But uh, supposedly they use harmonics for whatever they're doing. And I think, okay, it's not that I think that that this is harp, but I just think it's using the same scientific principles or the same technology. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that component. I do feel as though it's not quite the way people are expecting it or anticipating it they quite often people think about these tones being projected at you they imagine there's some sort of rotating satellite dish on a white man out front three doors over facing your house with two guys inside yeah when in actuality they can be transmitting it from something very small it can be coming from things like your cell phone and i try not to sleep with my cell phone in the same room at night i try to have it um put on mute or turned off and in a different room and probably having that door closed because I try to keep those frequencies away from me in particular at night because I found that it had an easier job of putting me into a catatonic state as well as disrupting my ability to astral project out of my body at night so it is more I guess I guess what I'm attempting to say here is that our technology that we've so eagerly invited into our home doesn't necessarily have our best interest at heart especially not things like those smart home devices that people are using to turn their lights on and off or check their temperature and things like that that are actually spying on them. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Uh, You've mentioned cell phones several times. And it sounds like there's something going on here. It sounds like we're getting something of a Trojan horse. A little bit, yeah. We really are. We love the convenience. We love being able to take all these wonderful photos of these wonderful moments in our lives, and that's great. But the downside of it is, is we have essentially created the world that was so feared for so long. We have invited Big Brother into our homes and into every moment of our lives, and now we ask it a recipe for pancakes. So, I mean, we're these adorable little beings that really aren't being taught to question things and how to actually thoroughly investigate what's going on and what's being presented before us. And they are these elite, these beings that are negative in nature, quite often telling us things that are going to happen before they do. And they are able to avoid a lot of the karma that goes with it because of this revealing of information beforehand. Yeah, and we don't really know, like we'll get a cell phone and we don't really know you know, it's just like your TV back in the 50s or 60s. I mean, you have this big box. There could be, you know, there's tubes in there. But what do all these little gadgets and gadgets really do? Could there be a microchip in, chip in there that we don't know about? Could there be alien technology there that we don't know about? But it kind of harkens back to something you were saying earlier. 
Um, mm-hmm. I kind of chuckled to myself. You didn't see me do it, but I did. But when you're talking about the implants being used to track. Yeah. When you think about it, it it's funny because like, why would we think, and I thought this too, but why would we think that they would use implants to track us? Their technology is so advanced. They could probably look at everything in the entire world at once if they wanted to. So why would they ever need to use implants to track us? Well, that's what I find very funny about some people it, when they do look at that aspect. They're like, oh my goodness, they're going to track you. Like one of my family members was having a lot of very negative abductions being done with one group and she couldn't handle it. They were, they were abducting her pretty much every night for like a month. And she drove quite literally across Canada trying to get away from them. And she would just stop to sleep and still every night when she would stop to sleep, she'd still have abductions because they were wanting to abduct her. They didn't have to, like, she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have a laptop. She didn't have a tablet. She had none of that stuff. This was several years ago. And yet these beings still knew exactly where she was. And so when the negative ones want to find you, they will find you. You can do things like to try to break your contracts with them. You can do your best to really diminish their ability to have control over you. But I have found with my encounters, it doesn't matter if I'm going through something really negative. It doesn't matter if I call upon Archangel Michael or Christ or Buddha or Allah or whoever. None of them have been able to step forward and help me in those encounters. And as much as I love a lot of the Ascended Masters, I love working with them. I love the fact that they help the humans that they're interacting with. They help to increase the consciousness of these people and assist them in their living in my experience, they haven't been able to prevent some of the negative things from occurring in some of these encounters, whether it's rapes or beatings or things like that. And so as much as I really do look at the implant aspect and kind of like I do chuckle at it and the way that we're portrayed as these tinfoil hat people, I do think that it's because I've really stopped doing a lot of the cognitive dissonance that a lot of other people do, that it's allowed for me to look at things a bit more clearly than other people. I do want to yeah. get into, and we've talked quite a bit about what's going on out there. I want to get a little bit into the hybrids mm-hmm. a little bit more. Do these sure. hybrids have something to do with the future? Are we going to see hybrids mixed in with our society? We already do see hybrids mixed in with our society. We already do. A lot of the humans that are the new humans that we're looking at, a lot of these children have a much greater proportion of ET DNA than people are aware of. You're meaning like in reference to the hybrids that are very visibly hybrids between two or more races. Yes, we are going to start seeing them coming forward, but not until we have tremendous change. We already have hybrids that are coming down and visiting their hybrid parents, whether it's coming in to see them in their gardens at night or coming into their homes while the parent is watching TV and the parent looking and seeing the reflection of the hybrid in the television as it's going between one show and another. Stuff like that is very common. But we are going to start seeing more hybrids coming in and interacting with humans. But you're not going to see them as blatantly and clearly walking the streets in the immediate future because humanity is so divided against itself. It is not safe for those hybrids to come forward. You've taken, for instance, if you were to take a standard hybrid, let's say a five foot five um, gray human hybrid with large black eyes and eyelashes that has like this really cute, fine, scraggly hair, and you were to allow it to walk down the street in any major city in the world, 
if it's in somewhere where there's a lot of chaos, like the U.S. has right now, that hybrid will probably be shot. Someone will see it, they will be afraid of it, they will shoot it. So a lot of the multidimensionals and extraterrestrials have no desire to see their loved ones, which are their hybrid children, being tormented and killed in such a manner. And so they will not allow for them to walk openly near most people at this time. Is and there a... Are there any anywhere, like perhaps hiding in the big cities where they could blend into big crowds, anything of that nature going on? The ones, yes, that have a higher percentage of Earth human DNA, the ones that are able to look more normal. But we have human and reptilian hybrids that are ruling a lot of our governments. We have human and Palladian hybrids that are walking amongst us as a lot of our healers and teachers. We have a lot of human and gray hybrids that are involved in things related to technology and healing. Same thing could be said with mantis and human hybrids that are connected towards the earth and healing as well. There's a lot of things that make people that are hybridized. A lot of people are hybridized, but not necessarily in the way that people are thinking. If you look at a lot of people, and you actually look at their faces, look at their structure, look at their, like the way their eyes are held. You will start to see that some people really do look like they're part human, part angel. Some people look like they're part human, part fairy, part human, part animal, part human, part gray, part human, part reptilian. You'll start to see these features. It's actually quite distinct with a lot of people. But you have to very genuinely look at their eyes and look at their face. What facial features do they have? How do they move their body? Even as we look at different people, like, um, for instance, think of Simon Parks. You can look at him and see a lot of the reptilian DNA that's come forward. You can see the ridge over the brow. You can see the way that he holds his eyes and the way his lips are. You can see the reptilian components coming forward. You really can. And when you look at other people, you can start to see different components as well. You just have to start looking at the way these different beings are and recognizing the physical traits in place. People, when they look at hybrids, they assume they're all going to be these scraggly little things, and that's not the case. Some of my hybrid children on craft are very adorable and super chubby, and I love them to bits. Some of them have red hair, some of them have white hair, some of them have no hair. Some look remarkably human, and some look remarkably gray, and some look quite reptilian. It really does depend upon the combination of the DNA, the way that it's activated as the child is developing, and the way in which the different parents are contributing different genetic factors. And when I look at the people that I've been bred with, um, one of my primaries for about five years was had a very high percentage of DNA. The one after that had carrion DNA, which is the type of bird type people. The one after that, he has a completely different DNA structure. Again, he's got um, a lot of the Anunnaki features. He's got a lot of the angelic features. Whereas the one before, the one with gray DNA, had a lot more reptilian features. It really does depend upon the genetic makeup of the person who is like each person that what's being bred with. It's really complicated, but very fascinating. Yeah, there, there's a whole world there to, to um, you know, genetics and um, phenotypes and um, <laughs> there's so much there that we don't we can't even begin to understand but um, what I did want to ask you about is sure. is there a plan with some of this stuff like Donald Trump announced a space force does this have <laughs> something to do with first contact happening in the future 
That's kind of funny that you call it first contact when we've had contact the whole way through. You mean like first open contact? Oh, I'm think? sorry. Um, what's the word for it? Uh, I don't know why I can't think of it, but um, oh, you know when all the aliens come out and tell us that they're here, we're headed <laughs> sorry, towards that. Uh... Oh, it looks like. Would you like to take a call? Sure. Hello, caller. Caller, are you there? Daniel. Hello. Hi. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Al, how are you doing Hi. today? I'm all right. Just trying to figure out what's going on here. You got the live stream with the girl on YouTube, and then you got a live stream on your uh, website. Yeah, that is that is dead. I only have one computer and one internet line, so I cannot upload um, to the live stream anymore. I had to pick one or the other, so we're just doing YouTube for the live show for now. Uh, did you have a question for our guest this evening? Uh, well, right now I'm trying to figure out what's going on because it says you're streaming live on your website too. We've got no audio at all on the YouTube. Oh. We don't even know what you're saying. You don't have any audio at all. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. There's no audio. There's no audio on the YouTube stream at all. Oh. That's Shoot. Well, thanks for letting me know. I do have the show recording another way, so I will simply have to upload it another way. But again, thanks for letting me know. Ugh. Jeez. I'll have to figure that out later. Yeah, Thank no, you. None of us could hear what she's been saying the whole time, dude. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate that. I will well, have gonna to. There's going to be an interview between you and her only tonight. And then you're, I guess we'll have to get the information on the live when you do the stream or when you put it on YouTube. Yeah, I will have to um, upload it later, unfortunately. I do apologize for that. But uh, uh, I do thank you for letting me know that we're having that issue. I, I should have uh, solved that earlier, but I appreciate that. Yeah, I just stumbled upon you. I was on YouTube doing some other shit and saw you were alive. I was like, hey, why didn't he text me? Okay, right on. Well, I'm horrified to hear that, of course, but um, I do have it recording another way, so we will get that show released, and we will get that information out there. All right, I just let you know nobody can hear what you're saying. All right, I appreciate that. All right, we'll talk to you Daniel. Okay, bye. All right, bye. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. You know, sometimes we have these... Uh, Weird technical issues, almost like something doesn't want us to get that information out. Haven't had this problem before, but like I said, I do. I am recording the show in alternate way, so uh, we probably won't have the video, unfortunately, which sucks. But at least we'll have all this great information that we can release out there. I totally get it, Daniel. It's all good. I mean, my video on my cell or laptop, pardon me, wasn't working, so I totally get it. Appreciate that. Um, so I do want to kind of draw things to a close. Uh, but before we do, I'd like for you to go ahead and just take a moment to go ahead and anything that you have left, anything that you might've wanted to say, any messages that you might have for all the listeners out there and people of the world in general, uh, feel free to go ahead and hop up on the soapbox now and say whatever you'd like to say in closing. And please follow that up with anything at all that you would like to promote or plug. Perfect. 
So for those of you who are wanting to have connection with extraterrestrial and multidimensional beings, as well as your angels, ancestors, um, elementals, fairies, hybrids, stuff like that, the easiest way to really develop a level of connection with these beings is actually to increase your psychic abilities. There are tons of free videos on YouTube, audiobooks. Um, you can go get yourself a tarot deck. Really anything to start opening up your psychic abilities is the best way to allow you to connect in and to really allow yourself to establish that connection between you and these beings. The more you develop your intuition, the easier it will be for you to remember these encounters, the easier it will be for you to have them as well on a psychic, physical, astral, all level experience. It really does make a big difference. Um, if anyone's wanting to get in touch with me, I would recommend either emailing, probably emailing me. My website is samanthamowit.ca. That's probably the best way to get in contact with me. Um, I really do appreciate you having me on here, Daniel. I'm sorry for the tech problems. I'm kind of used to that. Stuff like that happens a fair bit. For some reason, once in a while, I'll have my emails not show up for like a month. I'll get like no emails. I'll be like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then all of a sudden, I've got like 80 emails I have to deal with that just show up all at once. And I, I get the tech problems. It's frustrating. But thank you so much for having me on. I had fun either way. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, especially in light of what happened with the technical issues, because I do love the videos so much and doing YouTube and everything. Hopefully, we could do this again some at some point in the future. Definitely. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, sounds good. But once again, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, I will be in touch and you enjoy the rest of your evening, my friend. Perfect. You too. Take care, Daniel. Bye. Take care. Bye. And there yeah. you have it. That was Samantha. Boy, um, I, I just really feel bad that the people on the stream were not getting the audio. I, you know, of course we will figure it out and we'll get that figured out, but boy, the audio streams current bit rate is like, why, why do I, why am I having this issue? Is it something simple or is it something complicated? Sometimes it's hard to even tell. Well, I probably shouldn't be screwing around with this stuff while the show is on, but Hey, let's go to break and I'll screw around with stuff and I'll see if I can't get that sorted out. Boy, you know, actually, I'm going to go ahead and end the show purely because the thing with the YouTube and the stream, it's kind of all mixed up right now. So the best thing for me to do right now would probably be to get this sorted out and then, you know, just do a show a little bit later. And that way I can hopefully hopefully get this all, all figured out. I do apologize, everybody, but I will talk to you next time here on End of Days Radio. Somebody's just like trying so hard to call in, but I'm just so bummed out by this audio issue. I mean, it's a podcast and we're streaming live and there's a bunch of people in the chat. They couldn't even hear what's going on. And the guest was great. So I'm just like, ah, but don't worry. I'll get it figured and I'll be back to previous glory i'm gonna have to work on the show a little bit longer because when things like this happen i gotta kind of patch things together so i'm not looking forward to that but i'm gonna go ahead and get an early start on that so i can get this information out there thank you everybody please go to endofdaysradio.com and and donate if you can of course you don't have to but i really appreciate it if you do and otherwise i will see you next time i will see you next time <laughs>